0: Fantastic. Good to have you here with us this morning. And uh, as you no doubt, many, if not all, would be aware last week, we farewelled uh, Angie, who'd been um, the the creative director of our church now for I think about six years, been part of the church for uh, well over 20 years. um, But just felt time to move on. And, uh, and, And we felt good about that in a sense that, you know, that was the right timing. You know, there's seasons in God and we felt this was... A changing of a season in in that area of our church and um and so you know obviously when when a leader moves on another leader has to replace that leader and i did mention this week on social media that i was going to talk a little bit about that this morning um uh some time ago now uh i don't know what it is about mackay but uh something some special anointing upon the uh provincial city of mackay because uh, not only did um, uh, Tim and Kat come down from Mackay a couple of years ago, but uh, not long after that, um, uh, Andrew and Letitia came down from uh, another church in Mackay, but uh, just felt to come here to Ipswich. And La- Letitia was the uh, creative director of, of a church up there, but just came down here and started serving us, uh, working for us in the in the the state role. Uh, I Many of you be aware that. We run the uh, the state of the, uh, the, Assemb- the Assemblies of God, which is now Australian Christian Church, and she's been assisting us in that area, but very much has a, um, a calling uh, in this creative aspect of uh, of church life. Um, Leticia is a pastor in our movement, has been a pastor in the movement for some time. Uh, we, we were sort of talking, and she's been assisting Angie, but... Uh, uh sort of felt to come and i really think is going to make a really really great contribution so uh as at the beginning of uh, of 2018 but uh, you know for, for all intensive purposes that's you know almost now so uh i we're, we're going to bring um Leticia up and pray for her when uh, andrew who's on a business trip is is back are you here Letitia? did i see you here somewhere and uh yes i can yes she's oh there you are right okay <laughs> I thought she might be in the crime because, of course, Letitia's just had a baby just recently. But why don't we put our hands uh, together and just welcome Letitia. Vera, to that new position. So God bless you, Letitia. And as I said, we'll uh, sort of pray for uh, Andrew and Letitia in a couple of weeks' couple of time. Have you ever noted that, uh, you know, we always say this is the the most wonderful time of the year and uh, Christmas, I think, does bring a certain dimension. There is a certain aspect in the the air that's not there other times of the year. And I think people love this time of the year because they do have a sense of meaning. Um, Christmas does tend to draw family together and it's quite funny how uh, I was reading in an article yesterday in the Australian actually uh, about how when families get together uh, there, there there is this instinct in their mind that takes them back to their most significant time of their growing up, so you have forty-year-old CEOs that come into the Christmas function with the family and start complaining about doing the washing up, uh, sort of re- revert back to their twelve or thirteen or fourteen-year-old uh, uh, lifestyle uh, outlook, and uh, they're playing backyard cricket and they uh, and they get their nose out of joint because they don't think they were out. And uh, how we all revert back to our childhood when we gather together with mum and dad and the family at Christmas time which i thought was rather bizarre but uh it does give us a sense of meaning roots you know they oh well i i belong that is my lineage and uh i i think meaning it lacks in so many people's lives and so uh when we when we have a, a taste of meaning it brings joy to our hearts not only that but we obviously give gifts and we think beyond ourselves we, we don't just look for what we want. We're actually looking for what other people want. And we're trying to investigate in our minds what would so-and-so want and what would, uh, what would be the right gift for this person. And, and, and there's something about us we are born to give. It adds meaning to our lives. And, and so uh, we, we sing songs that, are, that, that really have transcendent um, lyrics to them heart the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king i mean whoa we're giving glory to someone other than ourselves it it really does add meaning to a somewhat um, uh, docile and mundane otherwise life really christmas but here's a thought for you and this is where i want to go this morning I, i wonder i wonder if the joy that christmas brings the meaning that we derive from christmas Is really like filling up on the pretzels of God's table and missing the glazed ham that He has prepared. Uh, I I sometimes wonder that if we don't like the baby who gets distracted, you know, the toddler that gets distracted by the wrapping paper and misses the substance of the gift. There's nothing wrong with the pretzels and there's nothing wrong with wrapping paper. And there is meaning in those things that I've discussed but I wonder if there's more to this time of year than meets the eye and something that we deep down in our bellies, if you will, feel but maybe we never really sort of cognitively attached ourselves to it. This morning, I want to go there. This morning, I I want us to look at the meaning of Christmas and uh, we're going to delve in a moment into what I consider to be the quintessential verse uh, of Christmas but um, uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke tell us the story of Christmas for the most part. They tell us about a baby that was born in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. They tell us about shepherds that washed their flocks by night, you know, through uh, wise men who came following a star in the east. But John, the Gospel of John gives us the insight into what's going on behind the narrative, behind the story. Behind the facts that we sing about, most people kind of know about, you know, the baby in a manger, and the, uh, and the shepherds, and the, uh, the angels singing, and all that kind of stuff, but this morning, I'm going to take one verse, and we're going to break it up, and we're going to, uh, and hopefully that you'll, this, because maybe this time of year, you're not really looking for a, for a really um, hearty meal, maybe you're thinking, oh, mate, just give us some ice cream and send us home, you know, <laughs> that's uh, a... <laughs> Uh, but, but this morning we're going to get some of the glazed ham, right? We're going to get some of the, the, the real meaning uh, behind this time of year and why I will suggest it is the most wonderful time of the year. And the verse I'm referring to, the quintessential verse of Christmas is really um, John 1, the first chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 14, that says this, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I could hang out in this verse for probably a couple of months. This morning, we're going to go through it word by word because there is some incredible truth that is encapsulated in this very short. A profoundly meaningful verse. He says the word, the word. If you want to learn about a person, how many know, that the clearest, ultimate revelation of a person is found in their words, you can watch what they do and completely misinterpret who they are. And I'm sure you, as I have been guilty of this. Have you ever watched a person's behavior? And you thought to yourself, oh, they're that kind of person. Oh, here they go again. Oh, look what they're doing. But then you take a moment and you talk with them and you listen to them. And all of a sudden, you've completely uh, reinterpreted their behavior. Now you're thinking, wow, you're not like that at all. You're actually like this. I completely misunderstood you because I'd never taken the time to listen to you. You might take something simple. You might have seen me drinking a cup of coffee. Now, personally, that's something you would never have seen, but imagine that you had. And you might assume, oh, he's a coffee drinker and and invite me to your house and give me a cup of coffee. But the truth is, I'm not a coffee drinker. I can't stand coffee. And maybe I was just drinking it because I didn't want to make a person feel bad. But you don't know that until you ask. You don't know that until we talk, right? You can so misinterpret a person's actions if you don't take the time to speak and to listen to them. We have the Word of God. I'm not saying you can't learn nothing from their actions, but if you want to learn something deep about a person... You must listen to them and we have the word of God. The word. The Bible says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word came to the earth. If you want to if you really want to know God, I mean if you really want to know God. If you want to have that intimate relationship with God you've got to go beyond the cerebral the rational right and the mystical in other words you've got to go beyond what you've experienced and you can experience all kinds of things and you can say well I've had a bad experience therefore God's a bad God and people do this all the time or I've had a good experience and therefore God's a good God And most people live mystical lives and they interpret God on the basis of their experience. But if you want to know God, if you really want to know God, you've got to go beyond the mystical, beyond the experiential. You've got to go beyond the rational. If you come to me and say, I want a watertight argument for God. Give me me some philosophy or, or point directly to, I've got to know. Give me some rationale. And everybody wants some answers about God. The truth is, folks, if you really want to get um, philosophical here for a moment, go a little bit deep, and I won't go too deep, but, but there is actually no watertight argument for anything. Um, I can't even prove to you that I exist, to be really honest with you. I may well be a figment of your imagination, and there's no way you can prove any other, uh, any other reality. Uh, we could argue about this for the next 45 minutes, but... Uh, but in the world of philosophy right you you have to appeal to your cognitive and there's no way determining that your cognitive is actually real there's no way of proving anything that's real people who come they say prove god prove to me that god is i can tell you this if you want to find out what they want to know what they need proof about what proof is there in what you are currently believing Because everybody stands on faith, folks. It doesn't matter what you believe. There's no watertight evidence for anything. But let's deal with this for a moment. There's no watertight evidence for evolution. There's no watertight evidence for the Big Bang. There's no watertight evidence for anything. However, it's interesting that um, this word that John uses here in the Greek for the word word... (laughs) is the word logos, whereby we derive the word logic. He says, in the beginning was the word. And uh, if you want to take this logical thing for a moment, then, then just hang with me, because here's the, here's the big deal. This is a big deal, folks. This is a big deal. God didn't give us a watertight argument. He gave us a watertight person. Logos is a watertight person. And, and if you want to know, if you want to know who who God is you study Jesus and you look at his teachings and you look at his behaviour you look at what he said and you look at what he did you consider the resurrection and what you find is a water tight person Jesus himself is a compelling figure in human history God didn't give us a water tight argument because if you want to get off into the realms of the philosophical there's no water tight anything but he gave us a watertight person in Jesus Christ. We have the word. In the beginning was the word. He says, if we just continue on, the word became flesh. That word uh, flesh means soft and vulnerable, uh, fallible, killable. The word became killable. Christianity is the only belief system in the world where that says the creator of the universe actually joined the human race. I don't know whether you hear stories about people who are in drowning situations or they're in crisis moments and people watch because it's too dangerous to, to do anything about it. Um, you see somebody you know you, you can hear the horrible stories of people maybe uh, in a fire or in a shark attack or being swept away by a torrent and, and people watch on helplessly And they can't put themselves into the situation because if they did, they themselves would also lose their lives. And so they helplessly watch on, broken hearted as a a person suffers. What Jesus did, what God did by becoming flesh was he looked on the human race and he saw its crisis. He saw its, its dilemma and he put himself into it knowing that it would kill him the baby was born to die jesus came knowing that the human race would crucify him but he came anyway hebrews says since the children have flesh and blood he too shared in their humanity have you ever have you ever been through a crisis in your life have you ever been in a a a dramatic situation a desperate situation and, and when you're in that moment, what do you, uh, there are very few things that bring more consolation, more comfort, more indeed power to move on than to speak to somebody who has been through a similar circumstance. Um, somebody who has suffered the crisis that you are currently in has come through the other side and seems relatively well adjusted. They're not bitter and angst and angry, but, but they seem as if their lives together. They've been through your set of circumstances. They've come out the other side and they seem to be okay. Don't you love to talk to those people, particularly if you're you know, going through it yourself? I, I mean, it, it's good to talk to anybody and, and we can try to empathize with one another. People can pray for you and all that kind of stuff, and that's good. But to have somebody who's been through the crisis that you've been through... Is is just a special sense of of comfort to your to your heart, and that's what we have in Jesus Christ. See, He became flesh. He went through what we went through. I I, I mean, you know, I know that the uh, you know, in a, a few hours' time, uh, we're going to be back watching the cricket and watch the second Aussie make a second hundred uh, in the one innings. Uh, and I love to watch the cricket. In terms of commentators, I much prefer to listen to people who've played the game. You know, anybody can be a critic, folks. Everybody has an idea you know, about what so-and-so should have done, what the captain should have done, or what that player should have done. But I would rather listen to somebody who's been out there in the midst of the pressure and made the decisions and made it work and come out the other side than anybody who's simply been a critic. Cause it's just so easy just to give advice isn't it but to speak to somebody who's been through the torrid that you've been through and has made it out the other side there's something that carries weight about that person if if you're not into cricket if you're a mother let me ask you this mum: would, would, would you rather i mean there's, there's an assumption there i appreciate that <laughs> Uh, my wife wasn't particularly into cricket but maybe, okay, so you're a woman that's not into cricket let me put it like that and you have children, let me really define it Um, uh, would you rather listen to somebody who's read a book about raising children Uh, and someone who's got some really strong ideas about how you should, you know um, treat children or would you rather talk to somebody who's raised kids whose kids seem well adjusted and successful adults who would you rather talk to see here's my point by understanding that we have a god that became flesh and experienced the human condition we sing a song that refers to him as wonderful counselor we can go to him with no matter what our circumstance no matter what our pain no matter what our experience and we know that we have somebody who has experienced what we are going through now there, you might say, "Oh, but I've tried that; it doesn't work." You know, I've gone to God, I cried out, "God, God," you know, take this from me, and I'm still carrying it. I've asked God for this, and He doesn't seem to be listening. Well, can I encourage you this morning? Talk to Jesus, because He's done the same thing <laughs> the night before He's betrayed in the garden. He said, "God, take this from me," and He didn't. He made Him face the cross. From the cross, he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? So if you felt forsaken by God, all the more reason to speak to Jesus. Jesus has experienced your pain. He became flesh. He became one of us. There was, um, there was this time he's speaking in this house, and all of a sudden the roof starts to, starts to open up, and next thing there's sunlight. Um, piercing his face in the middle of the home and everybody looks up and there's these guys on the roof and they're lowering this this crippled man to, to the ground and Jesus walks over to the crippled man and says this bizarre thing he says your sins are forgiven you I mean how many know the crippled man didn't want forgiveness of sin the crippled man wanted a wholeness of his legs but Jesus knew what he needed that's an interesting thing because the man didn't repent and no there's no forgiveness without repentance so what's going on there all i know is this jesus looked at this man and jesus knew what he needed jesus went and gave it to him and the next thing we know we see the man up folding up his bed and he's walking jesus knows what you need and all i all i'm asking you is this take it to him because he has walked where you have walked he, hasn't, he doesn't have to try to empathize. God, the word, became flesh. He came down and took upon himself the form of an individual, the form of human. Um, the author said, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word he uses here for dwelt is an interesting word, many words he could have chosen to, to, to communicate the idea that he was with us, he was here, you know. Uh, the concept of his presence but he uses a word that some translations actually translate um, in, in uh, the scriptures he uses a word that the hearers, that, that those who, who would have read this in the first century would have completely got, particularly the Jews, they would have gone oh, we understand this he, he used a word that is the same word that's used in the Old Testament to describe a mobile worship center called the tabernacle it says the word became flesh the 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 transcendent self-existent god becomes flesh and he tabernacles amongst us is the word that's actually used there he dwells amongst us or he tabernacles amongst us now of course to the jewish audience they immediately this was so meaningful to them and it maybe flies over a little bit of our heads we don't quite wear the same sense of understanding perhaps that the audience might have or that certainly John did when he wrote it anyway because John was a good Jewish Jewish boy but um, uh, Moses comes to God and he says God I want to know you I want to know you Lord show me your glory Lord I want to be connected with you and God says to Moses Moses I want to do that too but if I show myself to you I'm going to kill you (laughs) and I don't want to kill you so tell you what we'll do we'll build a tabernacle we'll build a worship center and right in the middle of it have this really strong curtained area and then I will dwell there and you can come close but you can't come and, and touch me Moses you can't see me Moses for so if you see me you'll die and it's kind of like this moment in human history when this baby was born 2000 years ago Christmas spells the end of something something that moses could have only dreamt about christmas is the end of religion as we know it it's the end of a god that's separated from people um, uh, could you imagine in, in the first century let's go back there for a moment imagine there's this um there's this christian living in in rome next to this roman or, or in athens next to this greek whatever and he says to his neighbor, i "I'm a, oh, I'm a Christian. And the neighbor says, oh, really? And A new religion. That's great. I love new religions. Tell me, where are your temples? Where are your tabernacles? Where, where are your houses of worship? And the new Christian uh, says, well, we don't have any temples. Jesus is our temple. Oh, he says. That's interesting. Well, where are your priests? Where are your holy men who... Teach and, and, and sort of control the, uh, the mechanisms between God and earth. And the Christian says, We don't really have any priests. No, we go straight to God ourselves because Jesus, God, he's our, he's our priest. And this person goes, oh, That's strange. Well, where do you make sacrifices? You know, these gods, they're, they're a temperamental bunch. They can be quite difficult to deal with. Where do you go to make your sacrifices to God? And, and curry favor with the gods or your god or whatever how do you where does that happen well we don't sacrifice the gods uh, Jesus is our sacrifice and, and you could just see this bewildered look on this Grecian neighbor saying to this person well what kind of religion is this <laughs> and, and the person would say well it's no religion at all I suppose <laughs> and the truth is it isn't christmas spells the end of religion as we know it we no longer have to try to you know uh curry favor with god we don't have to behave a certain way in the hope that somehow god will accept us god accepts us as we are because of that we can behave a certain way christian uh, christmas spells the end of religion as we know it why was it possible to see the glory now when it would have killed Moses because he goes on and he talks about the glory of God we now can behold the glory of God which Moses if he had beheld his glory would have died Moses this day the glory of God was signified in fire and smoke and, and now was signified in the baby have you ever been wronged? have you ever been wronged by somebody? I'm sure you have been and when you're wronged by somebody someone does the wrong thing says the wrong thing there's distance isn't there there's distance between you and them you've experienced that right the the distance how many of you've been wronged a few times by someone and they come and they say sorry and what do you say or what do you think you think sorry i'm sick of sorry (laughs) sorry doesn't cut it no something's got to happen something's got to change there's got to be, to use a really powerful word, we don't use much in the 21st century, although it does carry some resonance. There has to be an atonement, right? An atonement. There had to be an atonement between God and man. And if you're not familiar with the word atonement and you don't know what atonement means, you might have heard of a movie called Atonement. Just think about how it's, how it's spelt and it will tell you all you need to know. At one meant. <laughs> when there's a separation there's two when there's an atonement there's an at one meant there needed to be this at one ment an atonement something had to happen and that something happened through the life of jesus christ he became vulnerable he paid the price so that we can behold the glory of god that's what christmas means the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us folks if this is true this this is this changes everything this is not just half this is not a half measure of interest if this is true that the word become flesh and dwelt, dwelt amongst us that the ultimate expression the ultimate creator of the universe came down and, and we had the word, we had the intimate, uh, the flesh, we had the vulnerable, dwelt amongst us, we had his presence. Then I gotta tell you, folks, this changes everything. Jesus was claiming to be God when he said to that man, Your sins are forgiven, because only God can forgive sin. Jesus said, I would judge the world, only God can judge the world. See, he's not another prophet or sage who points towards God. He's the the one whom all the prophets and sages were pointing towards. He is the reason for the season. Can I encourage you? It's wonderful, folks, to be part of of a family. It really is. There is significance there. And it's great to give beyond yourself. That does provide meaning. There's no doubt of that. But when it comes To this time of year the word becomes flesh and dwells amongst us there is nothing more significant nothing more powerful can i really encourage you have a look at jesus have a look at jesus have a look at jesus when i was a kid growing up my uncle used to give me a christmas card my mother's brother uncle neville was his name and uh and all he would ever give me for christmas was a card but he used to put something up in the corner of the card, all sort of folded up and stickied up there. And it was a $20 note. And when you're a seven-year-old young boy in around about 1970, 20 bucks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nothing to be sneezed at. He'd give me this $20 note. And he'd give me this Christmas card. He'd just say to me, John, um, uh, be careful with the card. <laughs> and you get Christmas cards and you go, oh, happy Christmas, that's lovely and a nice thought, thank you. Uh, when you're seven how many know that the 20 bucks is so much more important than the card <laughs> I don't care what he wrote in the card uh, right give me the money right <laughs> when you're seven in particular <laughs> and back in 1970s how many know 20 bucks I mean that'll take your fear away and uh, and uh, I, I, I simply say that to say this have the greatest Christmas that you've ever experienced enjoy everything that you can But please understand this. Don't miss the 20 bucks hidden in the corner of the envelope. (laughs) Don't miss what really gives the significance and meaning to this time of the year. It is the word that becomes flesh that dwells amongst us. It is God who revealed himself to us, who became one of us. So that we could behold His glory, let's bow our heads. We're going to pray, Father. We thank you today for Your incredible gift to us in Jesus Christ, Lord. And in a time of year where gift giving is par for the course, where we are surrounded by presents and 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 uh, and cards and generosity. Lord, may it not take our attention from the greatest gift that's ever been given. May it not distract us from the God who became flesh and dwelt amongst us. May we see Jesus this Christmas all the clearer, all the brighter. Just where our heads are bent and our eyes are closed and we're going to sing a song in a moment and move on in our service and we won't be too long before we have you out of here. But I I, I do need to ask just before I do finish this prayer. If you're here today and you've never taken that moment of saying yes to Jesus, you've never received that gift, you might have enjoyed, you might know all things about God. You might have enjoyed all aspects of God. You can enjoy a lot about a person without really knowing them. But this morning, you say, I, I want to receive that word of God, that that intimacy of God, that knowledge of God. You might be here this morning and you're away from God. Maybe you were once walking with Him, but things have happened and I'm not critical of, of you. You know, things happen in life, don't they? That caused you to... to, to feel rejected or to feel let down jesus identifies with you he knows what that's like come back to him this morning and let him know all about it he wants to hear it he wants that that relationship with you if that's you just my heads to bed eyes are closed if if i can pray for you this morning to to receive that knowledge of god to